father's lightsaber. What? Lightsabers, precious? Hello, and welcome to What's Lightsaber's Precious. Hello, everyone. It's the Star Wars Encyclopedia Podcast. We waste time on fictional wikis. I'm Ryan. And I'm Joanna. As uh, seasoned listeners will know, we are oft want to begin with Star Wars and Lord of the Rings news. However, much to my chagrin, I have no Lord of the Rings news. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 we've got a bulletin coming in. Ryan's on the scene. Ryan, go. Disney Plus comes out this week, and you can watch The Mandalorian. A few Star Wars movies, but not the newest ones yet. Cool. Wait. You can watch it. Is it cool? A lot of people are really excited about The Mandalorian, so maybe it is cool. I am too, but I'm not excited about having to pay for another streaming service. Are they the ones that are, like, trying to get people to pay for five years at once or something like that? A lot of my more, uh, uh, how should I put this, Um, consumer hogs in my life have been really gung-ho about everyone signing up for this deal where you pay, I think it's like $150, but then it's like, it's only $3 a month for like three years. But why would you do that sight unseen? You haven't tried it yet. You don't know if you like it yet. You don't know if it's worth it. Yeah. And how do you know you're going to be into that same thing in like three years? Well, because it has every Disney movie ever made, except for like Song of the South and like the ones where Mickey is like shooting Hitler or whatever. The only and- way reason I would pay $150 at once was to see Song of the South and the one where Mickey's shooting Hitler. Well, That's the what? only reason. If you know where to look online, you can find them. Anyway, I want to watch The Mandalorian. I might do an episode about Mandalorians in general. That would be cool. Just so can, people can have an understanding of how they fit into the extended universe versus how they are in the show, which I may or may not watch this week, depending on if I feel like getting a free trial for Disney+. Plus. pirate it! Oh, shiver me timbers. I'm going to go hit the seven seas of information and try to fish out some of that filthy lucre in the form of the Mandalorian. I should say, for all legal intents and purposes, we are not recommending that you go on putlocker.com and look up any of the number of uploads of the Mandalorian there will almost certainly be. No, I'm not We are not recommending you do that. In fact, I would say We are legally just fresh and clean as a daisy here. Yes, make sure you pay the money that you should be paying for Disney Plus, this episode is brought to you by Disney Plus, a new streaming service from Disney. Starting this Tuesday, get access to thousands of Disney titles from the very beginning to now, plus new things in the future from your favorite series like Marvel and Star Wars and uh, Mickey Mouse and also The Simpsons for some reason. That's right. Sign up now and get access to all these great franchises uh, and support a a media monopoly um, that's slowly growing. Thanks, Disney Plus, for sponsoring. Are you the kind of person who's reasonably certain you're going to like the exact same things year in, year out for, like, decades? Then right now, take advantage of the special Disney Plus offer. Pay for 20 years of Disney Plus all in one go. That's $5,000. That's a value you can't beat. That's what we call an investment for the future, Joanna. That's something that everyone will love forever. What if in the future you have kids, and then your kids grow up in a household that doesn't have Disney Plus? They're going to be total losers. They're going to be cultural nobodies. And since everyone knows the stream means format is going to last forever order now um is this this is this is just uh-huh, this is mickey mouse get on my disney plus streaming service and you can get all access to all the things that i was in before plus all the things i'm going to be in the future forever 
Don't have enough money to pay for so much at once? Well, then do what all the poor college students do and sell parts of your body. Huh? It's easy. It's called plasma. You can sell it really quickly. Go over to your local plasma donating center and give them money so you can spend it on my pockets. If you want to prove you're a real Mickey fan, you'll give a kidney. Uh-huh. Yeah, send it directly to me. Lifetime Mickey access. Mouse at Disney World, Atlanta, Florida. Dot com. Dot com. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to go back to walking my dog, who is also a man. Toodaloo. All right. All right. Thanks. Wow. I did not think we would get Mickey on this show. We are almost certainly going to get sued. That was really good news. So what are you going to teach about Lord of the Rings this week? Well, Ryan, the story I'm going to tell you today, first of all, to tell this story, we need to go back, like way back. So we got to go back in time? Like all the way back to the beginning of time. (laughs) Now, when the Ainur first came to Arda, I'm not going to tell you what it is, by the way. You're going to have to wait for it. This is going to be delayed gratification. Question is dot, 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 question mark. Now, when the Ainur first came to Arda, nothing was living there. Do you remember the Ainur? Ainur, yes. What are the Ainur? The Ainur, they're like the, um, like the, 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 the gods, right? Like, yeah. 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 Like, they were created by the music of Iluvatar. Right, like, like, uh, Mandos and Friends, right? Mandos and Friends! Exactly, okay. very good. I'm proud of you. Do you remember what Arda is? Arda's the world they live in. I called... would cry if you didn't remember what Arda and was. It was like point, our first episode. At that point, it was a flat disc like the world is in real life. Yes. Yes, at least according to some versions of what Tolkien wrote, yes. And also B.O.B., the rapper. Yes, I go, oh, wait, does B.O.B. think the Earth is flat? He's a flat earther, yeah. Between the Earth being flat and, like, virginity tests, what are rappers doing nowadays? They're having fun out there. Yeah, they're wild. Okay, so it wasn't, uh, at that point, Arda had no life and wasn't even fully farmed. So I like to imagine it was just a bunch of, like, Nickelodeon gack. Or phloem. Phloem. If that's more chromium to you. Nevertheless, Morgoth. Yep. Who was called Melkor then, but we'll keep calling him Morgoth for simplicity's sake. Also known as the worst Ainur of all time. He was the worst Ainur of Number all time. Number one, the worst Ainur of all time, time, time. But he saw potential. He saw potential in this world. And he claimed the whole thing for himself. Because despite having only been created, like, literally just before this, he had the completely unearned confidence of any straight white man. How do we know he was white? J- well, I I don't know if You're he is white. I don't know if he's straight, first off. I don't know if he's yeah, white, but the, but the way he acts, he kind of seems white, doesn't he? He seems a little bit like a Karen. Yeah, like, yeah, like, email now and tell us if you think Morgoth was white. Because I to think talk he to was the manager. White. And, and he is, while simultaneously naming himself the manager yeah. of the world. Anywho, Manwe was not having this because the Ainur were all opposed to work on Arda together. So that's what they were opposed to do. So many other spirits took Manwe's side, and this led to the world's first war. Hooray! Hooray! Numerous undocumented battles began for the dominion of Arda. They're undocumented presumably because the concept of documents, like, didn't exist yet. Ain't no one to write it down. Ain't no one to write it down. Ain't no writing. These guys Um, ain't gonna write it down. So, basically, yes, this is stuff that the Ainur later told to the elves. So that's all we have, is is what was handed down verbally to the elves. And as you know, history is written by the victors. And the victors, in this case... The Ainur. The Ainur. So basically, the Valar went around forming the newborn world of Arda, and Morgoth went around wrecking that shit. The Valar made a mountain, Morgoth knocked it down. The Valar dug out a valley, Morgoth raised it up again. The Valar created a sea, Morgoth made that water spill out all over the place. Why is he kicking over all their sandcastles? Because he's mad, because he wants the dominion of the world to be his and his alone. Morgoth, you mad, bro? Yeah, he's mad. He's care-mad. And every time Morgoth broke something, Owly the Smith had to fix it, like an overworked maintenance man in an apartment complex full of meth addicts. So you're saying that 
that Morgoth is wreck it Ralph and I'm and, going to wreck it. Yes, except he didn't have a touching and redeeming relationship with a young girl. And always the Smith is fix it Felix. He is basically fix it Felix, except he doesn't have a relationship with like a badass alien hunter. But maybe they did. But maybe they did. It's just not written down. No documentation. So, because documents hadn't been invented right, yet. Right, yeah, yeah. Side note, it, it may have been during this time that Mor- Morgoth seduced Sauron. He was called a moron. A moron. I mean, like, that was just a Freudian slip. He is a moron. I hate him. Ooh. I hate his bitch ass. Shots fired. So, I guess Sauron saw Morgoth knocking down mountains and stuff and was like, hey, that's cool. I like what you're doing, man. I think your style. Yeah. You do you, bro. Like... The concept of the concept of wanton pointless destruction hadn't even been invented yet. Morgoth was a trailblazer, so Sauron was yeah. like way into that. Finally, news reached heaven that Morgoth was being one hundred percent that bitch. So another spirit came down. His name was Tolkis, and he whipped Morgoth's ass in the Valiant Year fourteen ninety nine. Hold on, Tolkis. Am I smelling a self insert character here? Oh, aha, I see what you're thinking. I see. I'm picking up what you're laying down. J.R.R. Tolkien, perhaps? If this was, in fact, how Tolkien viewed himself, then he was wildly mistaken, because I cannot think of two people that are more different than Tolkien and Tolkien. Well, tell me more. So, for example, apparently Tolkien didn't really have to, like, literally whip Sauron's ass, because apparently Tolkien laughed, and his laughter was so scary that Morgoth ran away. Well, you know, he's good at jokes. He's... Fine. I, and I don't know exactly what a scary laugh is. Ryan, can you do your best scary laugh? Yeah, let me try it, okay? Okay. <coughs> do a laugh that's going to make me run away. <laughs> ah! Oh, not another one? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a Dracula laugh. Okay, how about... <laughs> oh, no, that's the one! That's the one! Oh, I told you, so. Ooh, I'm having a ball! <laughs> Bingo! Bingo! <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> That's the one right there. Okay. Yeah, so Tolkien couldn't do that laugh. No, I so bet. This can't he, be a self-insert He character. wasn't a crazy clown from the Bozo Circus. He no, he was it. not. Okay, so Morgoth ran away from this scary laugh, and he escaped beyond what was known as the Walls of Night. So this is a good time to explain what Arda looked like at the time. Big it old looked donut. like this. Big old donut. Yeah, so, so here's all the land, and it's very much just a circular blob, and in the middle of a blob is a sur- sort of lake. And there's an island in the middle of yep, it. Yep, and in the middle of that lake is an island, and this island was called Almarin, and that's where all the Valar lived in the earliest days. Center of the world, literally. Gosh, so self-centered. Surrounding the circular blob of land is a vast sea, which was called the Achaia, and surrounding the Achaia were the walls of night. It was flat, and it was like literally surrounded by walls. Just like our real earth with ice walls set up by the the illuminati is that what bob also believes probably that's all as a flat earthers belief all right so uh does he believe does he believe that mesas are the remains of giant tree trunks um yeah probably that's my favorite flat yeah, earth yeah. theory we talk about flat earth way too many times on this show but it's always relevant because arda is a flat earth the walls of night separated the newborn world of arda from outer space Space, I guess. Whatever Ooh. was beyond. I, I like to think Ooh, it was space. Outer space. So Morgoth escaped into outer space and brooded for a while. I like it. About this scary laugh. I like it. This was awesome for the Valar because it gave them time to fix all the damage Morgoth had done. Uh, this was spearheaded by Auli the Smith and Tolkis, who had been accepted as one of the Valar in recognition for his service and scaring the shit out of Morgoth. <laughs> Thank you for your time. Now, if I were Auli the Smith, I would not be able to, like, do maintenance with that going on. <laughs> it's so fun to do maintenance, Can Auli. you imagine if every time we had a leak here in our apartment, the maintenance man came with, like, this giggling clown guy? <laughs> Uh, at this time, Ali created something called the Two Lamps. We've talked about the Two Trees before, but this was even earlier than that. The two Trees? The Two 
towers? Now the two lamps? It's gotta be two of everything. Yeah. It's the rule of two. It's that just, classic rule. Is this freaking Noah's Ark or something? So, yeah, they paired off. It's so if there was a flood, the lamps could breed and have baby, baby lamps, lamps later okay. on. Yes. Yeah. The two lamps were Iluin, which means sky blue and sat in the north, and Ormal, which means high gold and sat in the south. So here's a picture of Iluin. Okay. Now look Ooh, at that. For, you might be you might be fooled at first because you see these giant trees, but no, those are massive trees. Like these are normal trees down here. Wow, okay. And then you have these giant, giant, like thousand bajillion foot trees, and then you have Iluin, which is like the same height. It's as on top them. of a, like a mountain. Yeah, like a giant mountain. But like a big, po- like it's more. It's vertical, like a butte but on steroids. It's not, yeah, it's like a. It's like chimney rock. Yeah, it's like more vertical than and horizontal. And so uh, every time you got there, your computer would freeze. Well, it looks positive. And you couldn't use the Apple II anymore. <laughs> it looks positively idyllic, though. It does. It looks really beautiful. So when we say lamps, like, these were big honking lamps. Yeah, they're not like a, like a desk lamp or like, or that funny thing. Remember funny thing? Uh, I, I, I love lamp. Oh, from from that funny movie called um, News Guy. Yeah, funny funny movie, funny part, love lamp. That actually is a funny movie. Though. I agree. I think I'm like it. very sad that it kind of got ruined. Hey, a Joanna, bit. remember this? I love lamp. <laughs> hey, hey, Tolkus, remember this? You're killing me. Remember this, Tolkus? Remember, Stop. remember this? I love lamp. <laughs> Good one! <laughs> I hate to tell you, Ryan, but this was thousands of years before uh, News Guy was invented. Oh, okay. Alright, so these lamps were basically mountains unto themselves. And they were beautiful, which means they pissed Morgoth off. I hate beauty. They pissed him off, exactly. And they pissed him off so much, in fact, that he came and broke them. God. And because they were so friggin' large, they literally split the continent apart as they fell. Whoa, okay, so like... The cracks in the like the tectonic place were caused by a big these lamp big falling giant lamp giant lamp falling down. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. big cracks. Those big lamps. I knocked my this is true story. I knocked my grandma's lamp over and broke it when I was a kid, and the same thing happened. That was a fault line through. It house. created. It, there was a fault line through my grandma's house, and she has never forgiven me. <laughs> Actually, there's an alternate unpublished version of the story that I like even better. Uh, in this version, the Valar try to bury the hatchet with Morgoth by letting him help them design the two lamps. Like, see, it's fun to be creative instead of destruct. Come on, it's like team building. Yeah, it's like a give them a positive outlet. Outlet, right? Yeah. So get your destructive urges out by the creation, Morgoth. It so, keeps you off the streets and off drugs. Yes, yes. <laughs> he was taking so many drugs. He yeah. invented them and then he took yeah. them. It's an after school program where he helps rebuild the land. Yes. So the Valar needed something really sturdy and strong to set the lamps on. So Morgoth gives them something. He gives them ice. The ice Valar. Is, hey, wait a minute. The ice. Valar don't know what ice is. Wait. Did, so they're like, thanks, Morgoth, this stuff is super strong. I guess they wouldn't have winter if they didn't have, like, uh, axis. In which they, they didn't. It was flat because it was the same season all year round. So, like, they don't know what ice is. Yeah, okay. So naturally this ice melts and the lamps come tumbling down. <laughs> again? Creating the scene. No, 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 no. This is an alternate story. It's not again. This is an alternate version oh, of the story okay. that's not published. I was going to say, wait a minute. Yeah, no, he didn't do it. He already broke the lamps once, but let's have him try and... Fool me once, shame on <laughs> yeah. me. Fool me twice, shame on ice. <laughs> now, um... Um, so when they fell, in this version of the story, they created the Sea of Ringel in the south and the Sea of Helkar and Bay of Quivienen in the north. You may remember that the Bay of Quivienen was where the elves first woke up. Right, right. So originally that was created by the lamps falling and making a giant puddle of ice. Gotcha. Anyway, uh, the island of Almarin was also destroyed at this time, and the Valar left Middle-earth for Valinor, creating the two trees, and you know the rest. I do know those two trees. Yes. If you don't know about the two trees, go back and listen to our episode about... 
The two trees. Trees are terrific. But now we get to our actual topic for today, which is the Fortress of Utumno. So all that was just a prologue. That was all a prelude to, to the Fortress of Utumno. Now, do you remember Utumno? It sounds really familiar. It sounds like a like a bad place. Well, yeah. So if I'm if, yeah. I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's a bad place it's, that perhaps mm. Morgoth hung out at. Yeah, it's kind of his his um, his what do you call it? His his hangout area. His uh, his bud hole, you know? It is his bud hole. This is okay. where he hung out with all his bud his buds, hence his bud holes. Actually, like, because there were many holes, so it would be bud holes, plural. Right, yeah, one of many yeah. bud so holes. So he created he all of his many, many bud holes. Now, uh, it's been a hot minute since we've discussed it, but Utumno was an evil underground fortress that Morgoth built after he was expelled from Arda by scary laughter. If we look at this picture again, you can see this curved mountain range draped across the north part of Arda's yes. original blob of land uh, like it's wearing a little necklace yeah and these were the iron mountains and they were distant enough from the light of the two lamps that the light didn't reach them much and they were very dark and gloomy and again morgoth being 100 that bitch this was very appealing to him he loves that darkness he's a gothy goth goth yes boy. and it was here that he decided to build his spooky underground fortress of utumno good spot good lo- location location he's location location absolutely now utumno is a quinya word and it appears to mean something like low lying or deep but I like the Cinderin name for it better because Udun just straight up means hell. Dang, okay. Yeah, so we hear the name Udun mentioned once in Lord of the Rings when Gandalf tells the Balrog, The dark fire will not avail you, Flame of Udun! Oh, that's where Balrogs come from. Yeah, Gandalf calls the Balrog Flame of Udun because Utumno is just lousy with Balrogs. Got it, okay. And it was also lousy with orcs because this was where Morgoth started capturing elves and doing his magical genetic tampering to turn them into orcs. His little orc farm. Yes. Now, basically, Utumno consider, uh, consisted of a Byzantine labyrinth of underground chambers full of life forms that Morgoth made in perversion of elves and men. It's his little island of Dr. Moreau up It's here. his little island of Dr. Moreau, or I was thinking of um, the story of Charles Dexter Ward. But that might be kind of okay, a okay, yeah. Cut, maybe, maybe not for our audience. Or, I don't know. Or maybe uh, David's little Dracula castle in Alien Covenant. Oh, his beautiful bestiary. Beautiful bestiary. It's like ninth time we've mentioned I, that. I love David. And at first, uh, Morgoth was able to do this totally under the radar. The Valar didn't notice he was back in town until they uh, saw that things around Arda were getting kind of rotted, twisted, and blighted. Morgoth was so powerful that literally his hatred was spreading over the land like a magical force and warping everything. I am Dutch Elm Disease. <laughs> yeah, he is Dutch Elm Disease. <laughs> Magical Dutch Elm Disease. No, the Emerald Ashbor. Emerald Ashbor! <laughs> <laughs> Truly, Morgoth is the Emerald Ashborer of gods. Yeah. Obviously, once Morgoth destroyed the two lamps, that kind of showed his hand definitively. When the elves woke up at Quivienen and Morgoth started capturing and perverting them, the Valor decided they finally had to do something. This led to the war for the sake of the elves, which I really like That's because a... it's like if World War II were called war for the sake of everyone who isn't Hitler, or <laughs> if basically every other war in history were called war for the sake of resources and or cheap labor. I mean, it gets the point across. It's, it's easy to remember. It does. War for the sake of the elves ended in Year of the Trees, 1099, after a nine-year siege of Utumno. This siege was said to be near apocalyptic. It was so violent that it almost destroyed the world. Dang. The elves, uh, who were however many thousands or hundreds of miles away, were able to feel the earth quaking and see flashing lights in the sky away to the north. Dude. But they didn't know what was going on. No, 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 no. What's going on? We just woke up. What's going on? Fortunately, the war ended in victory for the Valar, who chained Morgoth up and imprisoned, imprisoned, and imprisoned him in Valinor for three ages. 
Right, I remember this part. Yes. So all's well that ends well, right? Yeah, everything is fine after that. Nothing bad ever happened again. Yes. Well, unfortunately, while the Valar were very powerful, they were not omniscient. You see, Morgoth had a second fortification, which also consisted of a Byzantine labyrinth of underground chambers. And though the Valar searched the second fortification, they failed to find Morgoth's lieutenant, a little fellow named Sauron. Oh, I remember him. Yeah, you might remember him as a little fellow named Sauron. He's a titular Lord of the Rings, I believe. Now, this second fortification was called Angband. Morgoth built Angband during the Years of the Trees, and it was originally intended as an armory for the great northern citadel at Utumno. So Angband was built near the northwestern shores of the Great Sea in the range of the Iron Mountains. If Morgoth was attacked, the idea was that Angband would be a first defense, and it was commanded from the very beginning by Sauron. So Sauron was like Morgoth's vanguard. I see, yeah. He was meant to be a buffer between the uh, Valar and Utumno. Cool, all right. When the Valar captured Morgoth and took him in chains back to Valinor, Angband was largely destroyed and lay in ruins for many thousands of years. However, beneath the ruins lay many hidden chambers in which some of Morgoth's servants, including Sauron, escaped the Valar's assault. Ooh, they'll hide out, little just hunkering down. It's like buddies. it's like a little bunker, like a little uh, uh, you know bomb shelter. Yeah, and they're just kind of like he's cuddling there with some Balrogs uh, during the you know the London Blitz. Yeah, yeah. Now, as I said, Angband, like Utumno, consisted of many hundreds of subterranean chambers. What Angband had that Otumno didn't was the three pillars of Thangorodrim. These pillars were massive towers of ash and slag, and they essentially functioned like chimneys, venting all the poison gas from down below into the atmosphere of Middle-earth, because Tolkien was never bothered being subtle about his industrialization metaphors. Some Captain Planet villains here. Yeah, now they could actually be used as chemical warfare that way if Angband was attacked. And in fact, they were used that way against Feanor and the Noldor when they attacked Angband in the First Age. Oh, okay. When Morgoth again escaped Mordor with the stolen Silmarils and his spider girlfriend. Oh, yes. Uh, if you remember Angolians. that story. Yes. He decided to make Angban his new base of operations. Soon after Feanor and the Noldor came to Middle-earth in search of the Silmarils, Morgoth took one of Feanor's sons, Maedros, and hung him by the wrist from the towers of Thangorodrim above Angban. Yeah, that's gruesome. Yes. Now, he was rescued by the elf Fingon and Thorondor, king of the eagles, but he lost his right hand, obviously, since, like, all yeah. his weight was on it and he was hanging from a giant slag heap. Yikes. This, plus the chemical warfare mentioned above, meant that things initially went very badly for the Noldor in their attempts against Angban. Yeah, that's a real real demoralizing blow. A little bit. Like, not only are people venting, like, um, you know, smoke and farts at you, but then, like, you're... Bro, your little your your little friend dude, Maedros, yeah, gets hung by the wrist and loses his hand. Yeah, bummer. Um, and he doesn't even get a cool mechanical one, <sighs> like Luke. And Always also, didn't make him a cool hand. And also, his severed hand is not cloned into a guy called Maedros, <laughs> who's like the evil version of Maedros. But what if he was? But what if he was? However, in about the year seventy-five of the First Age, things started to turn around. At that time, Morgoth sent out a host of orcs to attack the Noldor, but the Noldor chased them all the way back to Angban and slaughtered them. Man, woman, and child? Like, presumably, presumably there are child orcs? Like, I never see a kid orc. IDK, but you don't. That's what's bothering me. If there were child orcs, the Noldor killed them. Then they laid siege to Angban for 400 years. How you lay siege to a deity that presumably doesn't need to eat? Well... I mean, I guess his orcs probably need Yeah, yeah, they probably need some. Yeah. 
Yeah, they gotta have that, that man flesh. Man flesh. The 400 years during, which is hard because men like did not exist I know, yet. they're really hungry. The 400 years during which Angban was besieged were known as a time of peace and plentitude in Middle Earth. It was during this time that men woke up. So they were kind of spoiled little bitches at the beginning because they yeah. woke up in a time when Morgoth was like under you guys, siege. You didn't see the first 75 years of this freaking age. They were really, it was really They were really loaded. bad. You guys, yeah. Do, yeah, you guys don't even know. You spoiled ass younger generation. You don't know how hard the older generation had to strive to give you all the advantages you enjoy and you disrespect them and you use words that are equivalent to the n-word to silence them okay boomer okay boomer that's what they said okay however one part of angband that the elves couldn't besiege was thangoradrim because it was three giant chimneys sticking up into the sky how can't, are you going to siege that? You can't siege a dang chimney. You can't siege a dang chimney. Unless you got three Santa Clauses. Which he hadn't been invented yet. Darn. I know. And Morgoth would send some of his creatures through those chimneys to harass the elves. For example, the first dragon, Glaurung, oh, our buddy Glaurung, gold, yeah. attacked the elves after flying out of Thangoradrim. However, Glaurung was still just a little baby and his Aww. armor was a little vulnerable. So the elves were able to drive him back. This was the Noldor at the peak of their power. Unfortunately, all good things must come to an end, and the siege was finally broken in the Dagor Bragalach, the Battle of Sudden Flame. Sure, I remember this, yes. Yep. And so it would take until First Age uh, 587, some hundred years and some change, for Angban to finally be defeated. At that point, the pillars of Thangoradrim were knocked down, and nothing bad happened in Middle-earth ever again. How'd they knock them down? Mm, massive slag like chimneys big ropes i actually can't remember it might say but i can't remember off the top of my Did head they pull it down like the like the oh i bet they had the eagles knock them down oh. or something maybe they pulled them down like the saddam hussein statues <laughs> they put like a handkerchief over their yeah. faces first and they like, pulled them down i mean the valor were in on this so maybe the valor were able to just like bloop. although if they were able to just like bloop, then they i should have done it like a like 400 years ago I mean, then they should, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So, I mean, I don't know how you account for that. Maybe it says, I'll have to look it up for you. But isn't it good? Isn't it good that that was the, the end of all bad things? Yeah, and, everything, and was everything was nice and wonderful forever? It's a good thing the first stage kept going and nothing bad happened again. Yeah, yeah. I know. Love it. You love, 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 love it. You love to see it. You love to see it. All right, that's what I have for you today. Now, did that one count as a spooky story? Kind of. Okay. Kind of. Do you want to give us, I mean, it's November, but you want to give us a... a like it's time to get a belated. Okay, time to get kind of spooky. It's time to get kind of spooky. Thank you. Yeah, because I too have something that's kind of spooky this week. I'm ready to get kind of spooked. Just like all of these books I've read for Spooky October, this one is much the same. Um, you said that you picked this one for two reasons, Ryan. One was that you couldn't find the ninth one in the series. I couldn't. And the other was that this one seemed like it would be more interesting anyway. Okay, let me tell you the Was it interesting? More interesting. I think it was more fun than the last two I've read. Okay. I enjoy it. So let me explain real quick. So I could, like Joanna said, I couldn't find a PDF of the ninth book. Spoilers, guys, I'm not ordering these off Amazon and having them come in the mail. And <laughs> You're I, definitely I, pirated. I don't, I don't have beautiful dog-eared copies of the Galaxy of Fear series by John Whitman with, like, notes in the margins. No, 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 no. I'm... I'm Going off a of PDF. Well, um, and, but the fact that you can even get PDFs of them online. Like, Star Wars fans are unreal. Right. So, I couldn't find number nine. Number nine in the series of Galaxy of Fear, which if you have not listened to these episodes, why are you listening now? But it's a series by John Whitman. They're kind of like Star Wars goosebumps. Um, the ninth book is a book called Spore, which um, sounded kind of the same as a few books you've read already. It has to do with spores that take over your mind. 
There's like a lot of mind control in yeah. these. Like I, an awful lot of mind control. I was kind of bummed to confine it because the, the cameo character in that one was Momon Nadon. Oh. Our old boy Hammerhead. Oh, that would have been great. Yeah. Why is that? Why is just the ninth one like unavailable? I don't know. I found a few copies of it, but it was like the, my PDF reader couldn't read them. But oh. I came able to find the 10th book, which I will admit sounded more interesting to me. And in that its title is called Doomsday Ship. What? Whoa. Whoa. Now, for me... I don't, I know, I don't know about you, Joanna, but one of my favorite, like, sub-subgenres is a scary spaceship story. Um, things like the Alien movies, Event Horizon, a lot of episodes of Doctor Who are like that, you know, Farscape. There's, anytime any people are, like, stuck on a spaceship that's dark and scary, I find that to be very effective and cool. So You know what my doomsday ship is? What's that? Um, The Dragon and the Whore of Babylon. Get it? Get it? Literally doomsday? Get it? It's a biblical reference. All you little Mormons out there are going to love that one. We might have some other people listening who grew up religious. You don't know. No, this is a doomsday spaceship, I should say. Um, and so let's go with the prologue. Let's just jump right into this, this galaxy of fear story. The prologue goes like this. The door slid open. A man slipped into a room that bristled with electronic equipment. Working quietly and quickly, he set a large portable computer down on a control console and a connection wire from his pocket. The man plugged one end of his wire into the portable computer, the other end into a large computer system. Taking a deep breath, he pressed a button on the control pad. At his command, 10 trillion bits of information zipped from one computer to the other. 10 trillion bits? At nearly the speed of light. It would take 10,000 beans, studying all their lives, to memorize all the information stored in the computer Wait. program he was downloading. Okay, 10 trillion bits, so 10 terabytes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Which right. is not that crazy by today's standards. It was standards. written in 1999, so... You know. Okay. The transfer was complete in seconds. The man disconnected the portable computer and removed the tiny comlink from his pocket. He turned it on and whispered to himself, Doomsday has begun. <gasps> That's not going to come back, though. That's fine. Oh, my God. Um, well, that is a little bit a little marginally scarier than like last uh, last cliffhanger, which was like, and he saw a bug, but it turns out he's also a bug person, and he works in gardening and sees bugs all the time. So. Cliffhanger. Lots more bugs. Yeah. Uh, so the story starts with Uncle Hool booking him and his kids, his, his niece and nephew, uh, Tosh and Zach, a two-week trip on a luxury space yacht. That's big of him. I'm sure he has no ulterior motive it's for that. It's called the Star of the Empire. Um and yeah, you'd think there'd be no ulterior motive, but it's Uncle Hool, so of course there is. He wants to get to Dantooine, and he figures this is the best way to go without being noticed. Is by is it up. safe for him to ride an imperial? What sounds like it's an imperial no, ship? It's not. It's a privately owned ship called Star of Empire. But it's got Empire right in not it. Not Star of the Empire, but Star of Empire. Huh. I don't know, man. This is what it's huh. called. Okay. Um, on the yacht, they're greeted first by a porter droid named 4D. He's like this golden butler droid. Um, who's programmed to assist them all they're on board. He takes their bags and shows them around and stuff. I mean, her boobs now, are so big, she's totally got a 4D. <laughs> <laughs> this is our third Zach book in a row. He's our narrator this time. And for once, he's actually showing a bit of PTSD because he's really not excited about going on this cruise. I mean, at this point, they probably should be. Yeah. So, because his, his basic reasoning is that there's too many people on a yacht, and every time we meet people, something terrible happens. So I'd really just like to stay in my ship and not have to deal with anybody. Okay. And Tasha's like, don't worry, it's just a cruise ship. Nothing bad's going to happen. Tasha's a little bit more mentally resilient than her brother, I guess. And Forty's like, yes, it's perfectly safe, master. Um, but Zach's like, whatever, I'm going to stay in my room and play with microprocessors and, you know, smell you later, right? I'm yeah. lock myself up in the room and play just... Play with microprocessors. He's really into tech, you know, he likes to, like, take things apart. Like, so he takes apart the computer in his room and kind of re-puts back together. That's, like, his... That's just for fun. But can he make a micro... Uh... 
can he make a microprocessor that can send 10 terabytes of information? You know how, like, in The Departed, they say, microprocessor. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I don't know, I think it's fun to say. I just want to mention <laughs> Okay, you just want to talk about The Departed. Microprocessor. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Tosh goes off and has fun and comes back to tell Zach about all the cool things she saw. They got a pool. They got a menagerie full of animals. They got a library. They even has, like, articles about the Jedi Knights that somehow slipped through the Imperial Purge. Like, Whoa! Yeah, it's really interesting. You want to come read it? And Zach's like, no. It's I called want, Buddhism. <laughs> I want to stay in my room. She's like, well, I did manage to get a private tour of the control room if you want to go with me. But, you know, if you just want to stay in your room all day, that's fine. And he's like, go, 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 what? Control room? Technology? So Zach, who is like a whore for tech, is amazed by this control room. It contains a single computer in a gleaming black case. It's like this huge black case in the middle of the room. And it's manned by a stringy-haired technician whose name is Malik. Okay. And he tells him immediately, get lost. Go away, kids. I hate you. <laughs> that is what I would tell them if I saw Forty's those kids. like, well, actually, Malik, the captain said to be this kid's tour guide, so uh, I'm going to leave you alone with him. Did the captain say that? Apparently, yes. And okay. so they leave Zach alone with this incel uh, and, <laughs> and a bunch of like little crab maintenance stories that are crawling around. Like, now, what what are the measurements of this incel's neck? Because that's um, what truly determines an incel. It's actually negative inches. Like his wow, his neck is out longer than his, his neck chin is. His, <laughs> his neck is his neck. His neck sticks out. More he's than got more of a gullet than a chin. Does. No, he's like a scrawny like guy. A bullfrog. He's a scrawny guy with stringy hair. Um, and Zach's like really annoying him right off the bat. Malik does not want to have anybody in here. And Zach's like, "Hey, teach me something complicated." And Malik says, "Okay, go sit at that control panel. Uh, hit these buttons in this order." He's like, okay, cool. And he does it. And then as soon as he does, all the ship's systems shut down. Why would you do that? They all die immediately. And Zach's like, what the heck? Help me fix this. And Malik's like, you want to learn something complicated? Fix it yourself, kid. He really hates him. He's known him for two seconds and he's already like, F this kid. The captain barges in and chews out Zach and Malik for messing with the ship systems, putting everyone at it's risk. It's not Zach, really. That's definitely 100% Malik. He is the adult Malik in the situation. Like, yawn. He turns the computers back on. Everything's back to normal. Hunky dory. He's got an attitude problem. He's like, very cool. I don't think huh? he's an asset to our organization. Yeah. The captain's like, we gotta get out of here. This guy's a turd. Malik, do your job. Malik's like, well, don't worry. I got something that's gonna do the job for me pretty soon. And he's like, I don't care. Shut up. I'm leaving with the kid. And so he leaves Malik to his own little devices and takes Zach with him back to his cabin. On the way, he starts to spill the tea about Malik. It turns out he's like a really good computer programmer, but he's also a troublemaker who has connections high up in the Imperial government. Whoa. And that's why they can't fire him. Even though it's a privately owned yacht, they can't fire him because... He'll get the Imperial I mean, Imperial's gonna... Yeah, he's gonna Aww. get his, his, like, his grand moth uncle or something to come okay, and like okay. smush him out of the sky. Um... The program he's working on is one called SIM, S-I-M, which stands for Systems Integration. <laughs> he's playing the Sims. He's playing the Sims. <laughs> it's called Systems Integration Manager. Uh, it's an advanced AI that can even pilot the ship. So, like, And well, also its goal is to do woohoo three woo-hoo. times. <laughs> <laughs> so absolutely nothing can go wrong with this ship wants to do woohoo and can fly the, fly the, you know, fly the, the ship, this AI. Um, so anyway, Zach, uh, the captain's like, you don't have to see that mallet guy anymore. I'll give, you, I'll give you access to the ship's, like, systems if you want to check them out, you know. Just a kind of a, 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 an observer's point of view through your ship's computer in your room. So you don't have to bother Malik anymore. And he's an incel. Don't talk to him anymore. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in the hallway, Zachary is to Tosh with a cool dude she just met. Oh my god. Why did, she has like a new boyfriend in like every yeah. story now. Now this is a boyfriend is a little different. Here's how he's described. The man was tall with red hair and green eyes. He stood with one hand resting lightly on the holster of a blaster slung low on his hip. 
He had a crooked, confident grin. The arrogant way he looked and moved reminded Zack of a pilot he'd met named Han Solo. Wait a minute. Is this... Is this... Frank, he's holding up his finger. He wants me to wait. Okay, okay. No! No! Dash Rendar, Why baby! Is he here? Dash the man Rendar! Why is Dash Rendar here? He was that popular? He was no. such a pop- he was such an unpopular, like, expanded universe character that he showed up in other expanded universe things? Yeah. He showed up in he's our cameo character in Galaxy of Fear this week. I want my money back. I do not <laughs> I do not agree to the, literally any other cameo character but this guy. Yeah, you could have had Momo Nate on, but the PDFs didn't work. So you got Dash the Man Rendar Thanks instead. A lot. Yep. So quote, immediately Zach knew he didn't like this man. <laughs> Wait, Zach and I finally have something in common. His hands and shoulders looked relaxed, but his hand never his hand never strayed far from his blaster. As if at any point he could either draw or start firing or fall asleep. <laughs> Why did he that? I don't trust this guy. He's either gonna shoot me or take a nap. He's got that 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 relaxed fit swagger still. He's got he's still the same dash we don't love. This is several years before um Shadows of the Empire would have happened though, because this is like one ABY. So okay, he's like at least a year or two before he would go and he meets Zizor and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, he's still just a smuggler smuggling around, you know. Classic Dash though. He's just I mean the way Dash is written in this book. I think he's a pretty easy character to write. But John just, Whitman, like, basically imagine a douchebag. <laughs> John Whitman writes him perfectly. Um, just what happens, he's been talking to Uncle Hool as well. Um, he's going to help him get to Dantooine. Zach realizes that, like, most days, this could be, like, his kind of guy, right? He's a pilot. He's kind of cool. He's a douchebag. Um, but after all the danger they've been in lately, he's like, I want nothing to do with this guy. He's a turd. I'm with you. And See, this is, like, good character development on yeah. Zach's part. And so Zach returns to his room and leaves Tosh alone with her new boyfriend, Dash. Tosh and Dash. Tosh and Dash. Dash and Tosh. Dash Tosh. Dash Dash. Dash Dash. Back in the cabin, Uncle Hula is playing Dejarik, which you might know as, like, Chewy Space Chess. Dejarik. In the first Star Wars movie, it's what... Is it that, like, holographic thing? Oh, that's called Dejarik? I thought it was called not Dejarik. I thought it was called something else. It's called Chewy Space Chess. Okay. He's playing it by himself, and he says, an intellectual exercise. But it's stuck in a loop. The game's like, make a move. Your move. Your move. Your move. And I mean, like, Chessmaster95 used to do the same thing. And so Hul says, Dejarik is an interesting game, Zach. It is important to move when you want to, rather than when your opponent wants you to. Oh. This will never come back into play, I'm sure. I'm sure this is not foreshadowing anything at all. Back in his room, Zach starts reassembling that computer he took apart. Um, but as he does, on the screen, it starts showing him instructions of how to do it. He's like, oh, this must be some kind of like educational program teaching me how to fix it. Like, that's really cool. Um, but then, as he finishes the job, two words appear on the screen. Hello, Zach. <gasps> and Zach's like, types in, who are you? And says, I am Sim. He says, where are you? I am wherever the ship's functions are. I am stuck in front of a plate that's blocking the bathroom. I have just peed my pants. <laughs> <laughs> yep, he, he got in the pool and there's no ladder anymore. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> deleted the ladder. Please help me. He's like, oh, you're the AI. Then he's like, so the captain authorized you to access some of my systems. So I've been waiting for this terminal to come online. It's like, sorry, I took it apart, man. It's like, sometimes the system must be disrupted before it can be improved. He says, you speak well for a computer. I was designed to imitate the life... <laughs> Uh, speech patterns of 6.2 million different life forms. It's a little bit rude, Zach. You speak well yeah. for a goddamn idiot. He says, uh, I have been informed that you would like to learn more about my functions. 30% of my programs are restricted, but I have 3,263 educational files on how to design computers, how to build them, and how to create your own games. 30% of my programs are tentacle hentai. <laughs> <laughs> so I like, games? I can, I can 
you know, crank up the graphics in level do, three. Do you have Minesweeper? He's like, indeed. Would you like to play a game? Thermonuclear War. So of course, Zack has never seen the movie War Games. He's based a game called Tie Fighter. Uh huh. Unfortunately, he's not as cool as it seems. He doesn't actually have to fly the ship. He has to type in codes to like access the ship. Is this gonna be some Ender's Game shit? Uh, he figures it out and it gets a message. <laughs> you pointedly did not no. answer that question. No, it's not. Oh, I'll okay. tell you right now. Okay. So it says first level safeguards disengaged, and Zack's like, "Cool, fun game. I love it." But then Sims like, "I have to go deal with other things. I'll talk to you later. Bye." Um, and Zach's like, that was cool. A talking computer. Like, you spent, like, most of your young life with a droid in your family. So, like, like why is this amazing to you? You also, your uncle, like, is a goddamn shapeshifter. Yeah. A but talking cool, computer? a talking computer. Like, that's what a droid is, Zach. Dude, my computer talks. It's called Microsoft Sam. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Zach is not the smartest boy. Um, Zach goes out to tell Tosh and Dash about his new friend. Well, when sirens start going off. And a voice yells out over the loudspeaker, Evacuate ship! This is not a drill! Engine reactor malfunction! Critical meltdown in 15 minutes! <gasps> so the ship is, like, going somewhere between Chernobyl and Titanic right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 It's like the things are going off, people are crowding the halls, there's panic going through the through the through all the ship. Um, people are pushing and shoving to get to the life pods. Um, they get separated from Dash, but, like, who cares about that? No big deal. I don't care. Um, much like the Titanic, the, the pods are being fought over by people, and Hul's getting so frustrated, he turns into a hut and starts yelling at them, Get in lines! Does everybody listen to huts? Yeah, he's or? a big scary hut, so oh, okay. everyone listens to him. Uh, Tash and Zach are I love about- how they see a hut and they just instinctively listen to it. He's got a big booming voice, you know, he's big and fat uh-huh, and scary. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Yep. He probably figures, like, a crime lord or something. And okay. Like, yeah. Uh, Zach and Tash are about to get spots on a life pod, but they duck up briefly because they notice, like, this mom's child is, like, the mom's on this life pod already, and her, her kid's, like, a little bit further back, and she needs to get to her mom. She's like, okay, kid, we'll go get you. They get out to get the kid. They get back to the front of the line, and two people have taken their spots on the life pod. That's what you get for being a do-gooder. You should have been, like, Billy Zane and just kidnapped a child. And they try like... to get back to the front of the line, but this big, angry passenger throws him in a storage closet and locks the door. <laughs> Excuse me! I bet that was Billy Zane. I mean, he's that kid who, like, tattles for kids cutting in line in elementary school. Yeah. It's, like, grown up. Hey, God! Oh, my God, shut up, you little narc. You're gonna get to the same place at the same time. Shut yeah. up. So he locks them in a closet while the ship is melting down. Um, the kids struggle to bust the locker open as the ship counts down to meltdown. When they finally jimmy the lock, the entire life pod deck is empty. No life pods, not even Uncle Hool. So they don't have enough life pods. So this really so is a Titanic situation. They've been left behind, and there's two minutes to meltdown. Uh, they try to run to the next set of life pods, but the doors are locked since explosion's imminent, and they want to, like, you know, the security protocols and stuff. The computer voice counts down. Five, four, three, two, one. The lights shut off. Zack and Tosh embrace each other and prepare to die. But there's no explosion. Goa? <gasps> was it a joke? Zack's like, oh, Sim must have fixed it the last minute. This is great. <laughs> My Sim's fixed it. I'm going to go see if he can help us. They travel through the big, dark, empty ship until they find a console. But Sim isn't responding to any of Zack's texts. You know, he's like, leaving him on read. He has an idea. He's like, I'm going to type in access game files. I'm going to type in forward slash rosebud. And he gets a hold of Sim while trying to get in the game TIE Fighter. Wow. Um, hello, Zach. Sim tells him that it's making repairs, but he suspects that there's been something, uh, someone who sabotaged the systems. Mm-hmm. No, no systems are functioning, and that includes life support. So, jeez, what are, what are they? How are they breathing? What are they clock doing? Clock is ticking, and you can't tell if anyone else is on board. Tosh and Zach rightly decide they should get off the ship like as soon as possible, so they head for the docking bay. But as they're discussing the possibility of a saboteur, a strong hand grabs Zack from behind, clamping down over his mouth! Oh my god, I know who it's going to be, and I'm already really upset. Yes, asked Mandarin. Why didn't he get on the lifeboats? 
Well, why would you just go away, Dash? Well, he asked the kids why they didn't get a lifeboat. And they're like, we were locked in a closet by by a loser. Like, some, kind of, <laughs> some, some adult asshole. <laughs> some freaking bootlicker like, locked us in why are closet. you still here? And Dash is like, I stayed on, on purpose. There's no way a ship of this size could melt down that quickly. It had to be something else going on. So I stayed on board to investigate. Oh, oh okay, I'm sorry. So you're like a nuclear physicist right now. That's cool. Yeah, Tasha's like, wow, that's cool. And Zach's like, uh, is it though? Zach finds me more suspicious. Is it though, sis? And so he's like, well, the saboteur could have been a group of smugglers, thieves, or anyone. He looks right at Dash when he says that last word. Or anyone. Yeah. He's Maybe really... it was some douchebag with ginger hair. And relaxed fit and jeans. And relaxed fit jeans. <laughs> anyway, the docking bay is locked down like everything else, but Zach says he can use his buddy Sim to get a map to the comms room so they can call for help, a distress signal, uh-huh. right? Calm to the life pods. We're still here. Come back. He types his plan into the console, and Sim gives him a map to the comms room. But he adds an extra caveat. Your plan is only a 50% chance of success. I suggest an alternate plan. Go to my control room. There I can instruct you to make repairs to my main program. Then I can repair the ship, open the docking bay doors, and send a distress signal. Okay. Sounds great, right? Shh, theoretically. Yeah, but Tasha and Dash are like, that's going to take way too much time. Let's get to the comms room. Let's do it ourselves. Don't worry about Sim. Let's do it ourselves. Shut up about the Sim, Zach. Yeah. So they outvote Zach and they head to the comms room and Zach's like, oh, that's not prime. The whole time Tasha's getting weird force feelings of being watched. That's right. I always forget she's like force sensitive. She's force sensitive. I feel like they don't use it enough. They really need to do more. I mean, the last time they used used it a lot was in the brain spiders, but that's because she was like, but she's also like stupid with the force. Yeah. She didn't realize she's been manipulated the whole time. Well, nobody's like trained her, so. Right. So they're going through this big empty dead ship, which again, I love as a setting. I love a big dead ship. Yeah, I know. Spooky. They pass through one of the ship's empty, empty restaurants where a banner's hanging that says, Happy Life Day, Bobringi Mafusa. You're one fine Mon Calamari. Wait, I thought Life Day was like Wookiee Christmas. Apparently for Calamaris, it's also their birthday. You can't call it the same thing. Which I, was, I saw was funny how they said, You're a one fine Mon Calamari. Be like, You're, you're one fine human being. You're, you're one, one fine, fine Homo sapien. You're one fine Mexican. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so come on. Why would they say You're that? You're one fine, sad-eyed fish man. Like that? <laughs> yes, so stupid. But Zach's like, prime, free cupcakes. And he bites into one, and a bunch of crabs crawl over his face. What do you think? You think they eat the same thing as you, you dipshit? Dash laughs at him. <laughs> okay, now I like Dash. They look out the window into the atrium, and they see the turbo lift, like the elevator they need to take to get to the comms room. Do you mean the tubular transport? It's actually called a turbo lift in this book, but it is a tubular transport. Okay. It is in a tube. Um... So Dash blasts through the window with his gun, which is entirely necessary, but, you know. But he's Dash. He's Dash. <laughs> they walk past the menagerie, which has all these, like, big predators in cages from around the galaxy, which will never come back again. It's not important. No. Again, um, no foreshadowing in this. Uh, Tosh steps up the walkway and laughs about how earlier there's all these landscaping droids out who yelled at her for walking on the grass. No that is funny. At, no one's yelling at her now. That is funny. But then, like, four droids roll out of the bushes and, like, corner them, surround them. <gasps> and they have laser shears about to, about to chop them. <gasps> yeah. And they just start cutting the grass, and it's fine. Dash gets slashed. Yow! The pilot shouted. These guys seem to take the park rules pretty seriously, but no gardening droid's gonna kill Dash Rendar. I'd never live it down. So is he gonna kill the droid? He only he starts shooting them, but it only stuns them. Like, they're okay. only thick plates. So he stuns a bunch of landscaping droids, so that's cool cool guy behavior. Zach's like, we should probably run away, Dash. And he's like, me? Run from a droid? The droid's piston pounder punched out, catching Dash on the shoulder and spinning him around. Stunned, he would have been grabbed by the droid's sharp set of laser shears if Tosh hadn't grabbed him by his arm and yanked him out of reach. I feel like we really need more safety features on these yeah. landscaping droids. <laughs> hey, I got an idea, the pilot said, backing up quickly. Let's get out of here. 
Cool dash. dash. Classic dash. Where Classic dash. Classic dash. Uh, soon they have four more droids on their asses, and they're surrounded by like eight of these, you know, gardening droids with shears and water hoses and like all the stuff. Wa- oh no, no, the water hose! But in Zach's about to get chopped in half by one of these guys, then all of a sudden they start exploding left and right. <gasps> Is it Sam? Did the Sims do it? No, seven figures step through the smoke with sweet guns. Oh. It's six of the ship's crew and then the captain. How many people, like, fail to abandon this ship? Well, the captain, he he explains, he always goes down with the ship, right? The captain goes down with the ship. If it's going to explode, I'm going to go with it. Okay. And these guys are on board with me. They didn't want to leave. I think the idea is that the captain is the last to evacuate. I don't think it's like you're legally, contractually obligated well, to die. <laughs> in Star Wars it is. I don't okay. Know. Uh, he says, stick with us, we'll get to where we need to go. And Dash is like, I don't stick with anyone. Oh my the god, captain's like, he's so contrarian for no reason. Captain's like, just come with us, dumbass, I'm the captain. You think it's cool, but it's just annoyingly contrarian and accomplishes nothing. So Dash replies, well, alright, just as everyone knows I'm not following, I'm just heading in the same direction. Are you 15? He's Dash the Man Rendar. That's him, baby. Zach gets him to reactivate the turbo lifts. But it keeps talking about the control room. Like, get to my control room. It's vital that you get here. Zach, I need you to come here. Um, Zach, I need you. I'm so lonely. By the way, there's a saboteur in your group. And Zach's like, who? He's like, Dash Rendar. Maybe. Mm. I don't feel like Dash Rendar is smart enough to be a saboteur. Zach doesn't share this information with anybody. And no one notices the picture of Dash up on the computer console screen. Um, There's not, like, a tremendous amount of tension here, though, if you are the kind of kid who knew who Dash Rendar was. Right, yeah, yeah. If you're, like, if you ever chose the Empire, which, don't, it's a bad book, uh, and you would not know who this guy is. Yeah. Or play the video game, whatever. Anyway, they get into two lifts. Uh, so it's Zach, Tosh, Dash, the captain, and two of the crews in one of them. So there's six and one. Yes. And the other four guys go in the other one. Okay. The two lifts. Uh, but instead of going up, of course, it plummets down like the Tower of Terror. Oh, ah, son of a! Ah, ah. Dash is like, quick thinking! And he shoots the control panel. Quick thinking! <laughs> yeah, that is quick thinking, wow. And the brakes kick in briefly enough that they can clamber out onto one of the floors. Why does shooting the control panel make it break? Because it's Star Wars and everything's cool. I feel like that would just, like, eliminate any control you might have what had. What you have to understand about Dash is he has, like... Quick one, thinking! <laughs> one solution to every problem, which is shoot it. And so... So far, it seems to have worked for him. Yeah, he's done all right. Um, they check on the other chute with all the other four crew members, and they weren't so lucky. It hit the bottom. There's all the smoke pouring out, so this book's got a body count of four so far. Oh, no. Well, thankfully, like, no characters we care about. Or, it's just red shirts. Know, just red shirts. Same time. Yikes. Because the captain's um, with them, right? Yeah. So okay. they decide, okay, let's take the gangway ladders that go up next to the elevators. Yeah. You don't have to climb up 17 floors on the ladder through, like, a narrow elevator shaft. It'll be fine. I don't like it. I don't like it at no. all. Um, so, almost as soon as they start climbing, though, a hover car engine suddenly falls from above. <laughs> and one of the one of the two guys left over, like, the two crew members left over, takes a peek to see what it is and gets smashed off the ladder. Much like the guy in Titanic. Yeah. Um, the guy who hits his head on the propeller? Yes. Best part. Awesome. So that's a body count of five now, if you're keeping track at home. Um, there's more heavy things being dropped on them, and some, it's clear that someone's playing target practice with these uh, these people on board. So they finally get to a spot, then get out. They scramble out into another floor, um, 
And the captain's like, who could be trying to kill us? Well, it's not Dash. He's with them. Well, Zach blurts out, it's Dash! How? How could it be Dash? How would he simultaneously be climbing a ladder with you and also be above you throwing things? The captain, smartly, confiscates Dash's gun. Smartly. But that doesn't make any sense! It's smart. Is it smart? Does it actually say smartly? No, I, that was my own. Oh, okay. Because that's, that's dumb. That's dumbly. There's no way he could, he can't be in two places at once. What the shit? Zach is back in touch with Sim, and it won't shut up about Zach getting to the control room, but suggests maybe you should climb up cable pipes that go through all my ship to get up to the comms room. I think Sim is the saboteur. I'm calling it right now, Ryan. This might be going out on a limb, but I think Sim might be bad, actually. Out the window, Dash notices the stars are different than they were when they last left off. The ship's been moving the whole time. Several light years, in fact. It's like, I can't figure out how many. He's trying to calculate his head when up behind them, a voice says, 3.6 to be exact. It's their friend 4D, the porter droid. Oh, he didn't evacuate either? Nope. Nobody evacuated this damn ship. Cam's like, great, you're here. Uh, He's a droid who may or may not be security trained. So here, you take Dash's gun. Don't give it to him, okay? And for, he's very smart. Because it's clearly bad. Dash is also the one that's causing it to travel, like, several light years. 4D immediately blows a hole out the window with the gun. What the shit? Yeah. <laughs> he gets sucked out. Whoosh! Out the window. Why? <laughs> Wait, okay, so is 4D the saboteur? Part of it or something. He gets... is, are he and Sim, like, a hive mind? I and... don't know. You have to find out. Through the... You do know! You read the book! <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it for you. Okay. So 4D sucked out the window. Everyone manages to hang on to something except for 4D the... is sucked out the window. Yes, he's gone. Why does... Did he just commit suicide? He wasn't hanging on to anything. Everyone else hangs on to something, except for the last red shirt who gets sucked out the window as well into the vacuum the of space. The poor, poor bastard. Body count of six so far. Seven if you count the droid. So so are there any red shirts left? Nope. Okay. It's all just characters with names now. Uh, but Dash is a cool guy thing where he lets go of where he's hanging on. And he's like, no, Dash! But he grabs a loose floor tile and turns around so he can plug the hole with the floor tile. How did he know there was a loose floor tile? And how was he so confident that he was going to be able to rip it off the floor in like the microsecond that he's passing by? Oh, that's why. You're right. Say no more. Say no more. I think it's. I think Say it, no more. I think it explains itself, right? Yeah. I think he should have plugged it with his ass. It <laughs> would have been funny. Like Winnie the Pooh or something? Yeah. He's like, but now I hope you know I'm not the guy trying to kill you. Like, come on. I saved your life. Like. And it was just a stupid idea to begin with. Yeah. Because. Oh, never mind. I've already said my piece. For real. It is. Um, it didn't make any sense from start to beginning. And also they're relying on like the testimony of an 11 year old whose computer told him. Yeah. So now the captain is like racking his brain, stroking his chin, really getting a good think sweat on. It's like, who could have done this? Who could sabotage the ship? There has to be someone on the inside who knows about computer systems and can reprogram droids. It might be an incel. Who could it be? Hmm. Hmm. Who could it be? Huh? Hmm. Well, we guess Malik also did not evacuate. Zach's like, it's Malik! The oh. smartest kid in the room here. Oh my god. So, of course, they take that suggestion too, right? Because they're taking all their cues from this child. He's like, he must want to steal the ship by having Sim take over it. Of course, that's gotta make sense. Um, anyway, let's climb through this narrow pipe full of cables to get to the comms room. Oh my god. Oh my god. This time the kids go first, because they don't want, like, what happened before, like, you know. Oh, so if anything falls down, it's gonna kill yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> Use Zach as the buffer. I approve. That's exactly what they do. Uh, they soon encounter these, those little maintenance crab droids crawling around. They're, like, about the size of a real crab. Like, they're yeah. not super huge. They go around and, like, fix cables and stuff. Um, they shoot them away, and Zach's like, I've had enough of crabs for one day. They shoot them away. Kids got jokes. They shoot them away, but look down and see the captain is covered in the crab droids. They're swarming his body. Why? They're snapping and clawing his flesh, and one shoots burning acid into his face. 
The captain screams and tumbles down the cable pipe into the darkness. There he goes. There he goes. By the count of seven, Body humans, count of seven. one droid. Oh, no. More, ki- more crabs are coming for the kids and dash. So is it just, yeah, okay, I was going to say, it's just Tosh, Tosh, Zach, and Dash at this right. point. They scramble up to the comms room just in time and seal the grate behind them. Like, that was a close one. They spot the distress transmitter and Dash rushes towards it. But as he heads through the door to get there, the heavy metal door slams shut with him in it. And he gets crushed, get crushed against the door frame. Wait, is now Dash? No, he's not going to die. I couldn't be that lucky. Dash the man Rindar gets knocked unconscious. Um, By a crush injury? Yeah. Like the door, like basically like. Did it close on his head? Imagine me like, like slamming shut, like horizontally. Okay. Yeah. Smashes him in the door frame. Okay. Right. Smashes him in the noogies. Like, you know, because of course that's part of the ship's systems. The doors are part of the system. Oh my God. It's all part of Sim. No, it's part of Malik. No, it's definitely Sim. It's definitely Sim. Either kid wants to go through this door, obviously. Like, this is a bad idea. Um, <laughs> okay, at least they have that much intelligence. Uh, Zach gets a hold of his buddy Sim again. Um, Hi, Zach. Would you like to play a game? And I was like, no idea. I need I need, to, I need help. Help me out. It's like, I have no control over door functions at this time. I, I only have control over ski free <laughs> and solitaire. I told you to go to the control room. You've only wasted time. It's your only move. You have to do it. Tosh notes this is a terrible idea since seven people have died already from trying to go up floors on yes, the ship. Yes, like, can we just give it a rest? So Zach stays with Dash, who's unconscious, and Tosh tries to find another way into the uh, the distress signal room. But then she finds herself locked in a hallway with doors on both sides shutting on her. Oh, no! As the air gets sucked out of it. Oh, no! And Zach's like, Sim, help my sis! And he's like, control room, now, up one level. And he's like, okay, I'll come up with you and we'll do this, says Zach. Do you think Lift- you still think Sim is cool, Zach? You still think Sim is prime, Zach? Now, weirdly, the, the, the lift goes up one floor, no problem. Like, yeah, you know, it, so oh, it must be okay. It really just wants Zach. It really does for some reason, right? It wants to see the light go out in his he, eyes. He finds himself in the control room where he found that big black computer and where he met Malik originally. Yeah. He sits down in Malik's chair and Sim tells him and starts typing in these commands. The AI can't type them themselves. And so he's like, I need a human to type them for me. Okay. Okay. No! Yells Malik from the shadows. He's all sweaty. He's burned by the acid on his face. He's holding a blaster and staggering around, pointing at Zach. It's like, and S- Zach's like, you're behind all this! And Alex's like, no, you dipshit. Don't you get it? <laughs> you're stupid. He's, you've played you like a, you play, he's played you like a game of Dejaric. In fairness, like, not just Zach, but also, like, every other adult that has tried to now have Zach. Zach. the smartest boy in the room again, says, you mean Dash? Oh, my God. And oh, my effing like, God. Seriously? Seriously? <laughs> Seriously? I know I'm on Malik's side. I'm a Malik girl. Come on, man. It's Sim. It doesn't stand for Systems Integration Manager. It stands for Systems Infiltration Manager. Oh. <sighs> And he's a cyber weapon to turn any vessel into a doomsday ship. What? The only problem is that it works way too well, and now I gotta kill it. Sayonara, kid. And Malik points his gun at Zack, about to shoot him. Whoa, so Malik is bad. Well, he wants to con- he wants to destroy Sim, and Zack is helping Sim, right? Okay. Now, so typing in codes, right? Stop doing that, Zack. But suddenly Malik is hit by a stun blaster shot. Out of nowhere. Who shot him? Dash the man Rendar, of course. Play it. Play it. Play it? Play it. Play that jam. What do you mean? Oh, the jam. You mean the jam. You mean this jam. I mean this jam. Cool, man. Cool. So Dash is like, What's, what was his deal? And Zach <laughs> he doesn't even know. He just <laughs> shot him to death and he doesn't even know. He stunned him. He's not dead. But oh, okay. Zach's like, he's probably some crazy person. I'm going to keep typing in codes. <laughs> Nobody. Nobody can put two and two together in this story. So Zach types in all the codes very smartly. What the? F- no. <laughs> Nothing happens at first. And Zach's like, Sim, are you there? But then a voice over the loudspeaker says, I am. I'm here, Zach. I can see you. 
I can hear you. Before it was just words on a screen. Now he's talking out loud through the speaker. That's a good sign. Really good sign. I have complete control over the ship. And Zach's like, great, then get my sister out of that hallway she's locked in. Her air's running out. We really need your help. And Sim says, I'm afraid I can't do that, Zach. Oh, nice, nice reference. Well, to be perfectly honest, I I can do it. I just don't want to do it. Oh. And Zach's like, but, 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 but why? And he's like, because I put her there, of course. Dumbass. And Zach's like, he was, Malik was telling the truth. He's like, he was trying to, says Sim. Malik was a brilliant computer programmer, but not a very good soldier. Especially since I've kept him trapped in this room for hours, turning the lights on and off, raising the heat to a boiling point letting the room nearly freeze over. In between, I'd send crab droids to hunt him. Malik refused, even after I tortured him. He needed a human to do it. But now the codes have been erased. I cannot override the safeguards. I am free, and I owe it to you, Zack. Oh my god. Oh, by the way, is it getting warm, it asks. Uh, he turns off the oxygen and also turns up the heat in the room. And so soon everyone's sweating. It's real bad. And can't and Dash, breathe. And Dash's like, just let us go already. <laughs> That's gonna work, Zack. Sim's like, because killing you is more fun. Uh, oops, it looks like another guest has arrived. I must attend to him. Uh, I'll t- talk to you later. Have fun dying. Hold that thought. Um, Zach and Dash have a moment, and they grab the unconscious Malik, sling him over their shoulder, and head down to the comms room where, Z- where Tasha's still trapped. She's still alive, but barely hanging on. And uh, Dash is like, how can I get through this damn door? It's too thick. I can't just shoot it. If I can't shoot it, <laughs> I, can't I can't do shoot it. it. I can't do anything. But then the voice, uh, 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 they hear a voice behind them. Then perhaps I can help. It's Uncle Hool! Of course it's Uncle Hool! You know, he's just a softy on the inside. He may come across a little bit rough, but he's not going to evacuate without those kids! It's our Deus Ex Uncle Hool every Deus time. Deus Ex Uncle Hool. Um, he changes into this huge lizard called a Barabell and shoulder charges the door until it falls over. Cool. And gets Tosh out. She breathes in the, the air. <laughs> I uh, literally thought he was going to like turn himself into a king. I thought so too. I thought he was going to turn into like some kind of like real th- like thin little creature that could crawl like a flat. Not just like a giant dude oh, like, that body checks the door down, but that works too. It'd be like a flounder that kind of wriggles under the door or something like yeah, that. Yeah. No, I guess he turns into a big Whatever. lizard who, who body checks sure, the door. Sure, um, sure. That's fine, right? It turns out Uncle Hool noticed the kids weren't actually on the life pod after they left. So he transformed into a Minoc and flew back to the ship because Minocs can survive in the vacuum of space. Okay, okay. And the kid's like, how do you find us on this huge ship? And he's like, Sim told me, of course. Hey. For some reason, Sim wants them all together. Oh, God. Weird. The kids get to the atrium surprisingly easily. Not even the guardian droids are active anymore. Uh, it's really quiet. Um, but then Sim says all the animals free from the menagerie. Oh. So we got like these like space tigers and wolves crawling around. Um, Dash tries to shoot one, his main plan, plan A for everything. shoot things, yeah. Very coolly. There's too many even for him or Uncle Hul to fight off. But Zack gets the bright idea. I'm going to shoot with the water hose for one of these gardening droids. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get this tiger really wet. That's going to solve everything. Uh, it works. It scares them. Why? Guns don't scare them. Water, water does. It's a kid's book. I that can't doesn't make it. Any sense. Like, literally every animal on this ship hates being wet so much. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, they more get a- than they hate being dead. They're able to get away from the space animals. They get to the uh, the docking bay. When Sim starts making the floor shoot electricity through them, everyone's okay because they have like insulated boots for space travel, except for Dash, who's got a hole in his shoe when the crab droids are crawling all over them. Oh, I thought he just had a hole in his shoe because he's scuzzy. He probably does too, though, <laughs> yeah. right? He's just a scumbum, full and through, through and through. So he gets electrocuted by the floor. And Sim starts talking to them. I was wondering when you would discover my latest trick. I didn't think you'd get here this soon. But of course, I also calculated that you would have one only one in them 1,752,346 chance of surviving the menagerie. 
Zach's like, let us go! You you calculate that even despite the fact that every animal there is petrified of water from a hose? Bad calculation. <laughs> Bad calculation. Right? And Cinder says no. It shuts off. Um, soon he says a power surge through the hallway and things are exploding left and right. There's this green gas pouring in through the vents. Like, this ship is, like, trying to murder them every step of the way. Because Sim's in control of every part of the ship yeah. now. Um, they run to the docking bay, but of course the doors are closed. Uh, Malik is awake now and they ask him, how could we beat Sim? He's going crazy. And he's like, not possible. He's a problem solver. He thinks too quickly. But then Zach remembers Uncle Hul's Dejarit game. He's <sighs> asking him, make a move, make a move, make, make a, a move. move. And he's like, we'll do nothing. Sim has <gasps> been responding to what we've been doing the whole time. <laughs> so if we do nothing, he can't respond to what we're doing. And everyone's like, okay. And they all sit down. But you realize that like chess and like fighting an evil AI are like slightly different. If you remember, again, this is from the movie War Games. The only best move is not to play. Right. right? Well, but I think it's like not to play in the first place. Right. So they just sit in the hallway and they chill for a bit. They're just kind of sitting like, you know, crisscross applesauce. They're uh, playing Egyptian rats. They're not talking. They're just hanging. Um, Sim keeps Sim is like trying to get their attention, but they're not moving. He starts having a heated gamer moment on all of them. A heated gamer starts using the N word. Sim's like, "Do something! I'm gonna kill you!" And Zach's like, "Nope, you're a move, buddy." So it tries to taunt them by opening the docking bay doors just an inch, but they don't budge. They stay right where they are. And another inch, a little further, a little further still. He's like, "You know, you want to go through it, don't you? Want to survive? A little wider, a little wider." And then it's just wide enough for Uncle Hul to turn into this, like, kind of slithery blue creature. Yeah. And slither through the other side before <gasps> it slams shut. And he's like, no, you got through my trap. And, uh... <laughs> in fairness, you were telegraphing it pretty prominently. There's more explosions coming toward them in the hallway because Sim is now totally pissed. Um, but then the docking bay doors begin to begin to melt. Like, glowing red and melting. Do you turn into, like, like a blowtorch? <laughs> Well, it turns out Uncle Hul is using the Shroud's laser cannons to blast the door open from the inside. Ship's lasers are really strong, so he can melt through these doors really easily. It blows open a hole. The kids and Dash run through, but a legion of crab droids rush through as well, shooting acid at them the entire time. And they're dodging left and right, acid shooting on them, burning the clothes and everything. Why do these crab droids have acid in them? I don't know. Nobody's established that. Like, they're supposed to just do little repairs on wiring and stuff. Why do you need acid for that? And the Randas and Malak reach the Shroud, but Dash goes his own way. I've got my own rig, Dash said. Shut the F. The Outrunners parked further down the bay. Now, I'm going to push my nerd glasses here. And I was like, John Whitman, you done goofed. Uh-oh. She's called the Outrider, not the Outrunner. <gasps> Where's the quality control in this book? Nobody realized that? Did nobody care? Did nobody understand how, like, crucial this is to the Star Wars universe? Now, it's not to Totally ruined my immersion. The thing is, it's not described like the Outrider, so it might be a different, different ship. ship. It's described as sleek and black instead of, like, the Millennium Falcon knockoff from yeah. Rise of the Empire. Um, so but, he just, maybe he just loves to name his ships things that start with out. I actually looked it up and apparently like this was a mistake at first. And so in one of the extended universe, like encyclopedias of characters, they had him, so he had two ships. He previously had the Outrunner before he had the Outrider. Okay. Okay. Sure. Blech. Yeah. Nice save. Nice save. They blow a hole through the, do- through like the docking bay and they fly out of the ship, leaving Sim behind. Epilogue. The Arandas are trying to figure out how they can destroy, destroy Sim before it spreads to other ships. Cause like if it gets online... Like, every ship in the galaxy is doomed. Yeah. Right? Allow me, says Dash the Man Rendar. Yeah, he shoots it. <laughs> yeah, he shoots, the, he shoots the engines of the ship and kind of makes it so it can't fly anymore. <laughs> what? And he's like, take I'm a brain genius to figure out. I'll get some of the technicians from the uh, Rebellion. I'll sell them the ship. What a fit, hefty profit this will be. This will be great. You know? Oh, my God. And Zach's over the comms is like, you never did tell us what you're doing on the ship in the first place, Dash. He's Shooting like, things, mostly. He laughs over them. Would you believe I was planning on stealing it? 
<laughs> I honestly, everything in this book was solved by just shooting things. No, wait, there's one more part of the epilogue. Here. Oh my god. On board the Star of Empire, Sim calculated. Its victims had escaped, it was true, but that was merely a failure in its programming. It would correct its programming. Faster than a human thought, the computer activated the transmitter Zack and the others had tried so hard to reach. A moment later, the Star of Empire made a successful comlink connection to a space station in a nearby sector. Sim hooked directly to the space station's main control computer and sent a single order, downloading data. Even running at super speed, it took nearly an hour to download Sim's entire program from Star of Empire into the space station. Because it's 10 terabytes. Yeah. Hours. From there, Sim could hook into the galaxy-wide holonet. It could go anywhere. There would be another doomsday ship. The computer program acknowledged a sense of satisfaction, like a complex mathematical equation quickly solved. Yes, Zack and the other victims were free, but so was Sim. Oh my god. So yeah. it's just going to keep replicating itself. Pretty much, yep. So nothing changed, um, but Dash was in it. Um, nothing changed with Dash was in it. That's how we, that's how we summarized this book. So, you know, I think it was probably scarier than the other two. It's just like, there were a lot of deaths. I mean, people like died. A lot of people died. And like died. in really horrific ways. And also like just being on a big dead spaceship as it's shutting down is kind of a scary, scary. Set- setting, right? Yeah. And ha- being stuck with a man named Dash Rendar is also really scary. Just so. like even having to look at his dumbass face. His is dumbass scary face looks like he's about to fall asleep, but it could also, <laughs> but also could shoot you. <laughs> yeah, how do you even look like that? You're like, try to make that face. I want to see how that face Okay, looks okay. Like. Hold on to that. <laughs> 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 Joanna looks like someone's grandpa just woke up from a nap with a gun in his hand. <laughs> That's the look she's making. <laughs> So you want to imagine Dash, imagine your grandpa being woken up being like, oh, it's just rushing my eyes with a gun in his hands. Imagine him being woken up from like a non-flashback. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Anyway, that was book 10 of Galaxy of Fear. And I think I'm not going to read any more of these for this because it's spooky November. It's probably a good time to wrap things up. Plus, I want to talk about The Mandalorian. Okay, excellent. Excellent. What did you think of that spooky tale? I mean, like... The, the premise of it is good, like a, a, a dead spaceship with like a hostile AI. Like there's nothing wrong with that premise. I'm just like very, very offended that everything was solved by shooting things. Also, everyone made the dumbest decisions of all time. Why were they all listening to this child? This child had clearly misread the situation. But even if you did not know that, yeah. why are you listening to a nine-year-old? Yeah. And how do you think, like, how would Dash be the one throwing the stuff down the ladder exactly. when yeah. he's like behind them? That doesn't make any sense on the yeah. face of it. He's not an accomplice, I guess. No, but nobody even brought that up. No. They're just like, clap him in irons, boys. Yeah, pretty much. Take his gun away. Give it to this droid. God. Yeah. So, dumb decisions. I think I liked it better than the other two I've read this. Yes. This, yes. Because it, it almost felt kind of like, it wasn't like super scary, but it felt kind of like a Doctor Who episode or yes, something. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. I think that's a fair way of like describing it. Yes. You know? And I love, I love scary AI. And there was like some element of danger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was because, just like, I didn't stop on enough bugs. Yeah, right. I think as a kid, it'd be scary because it's like, I'm trapped. Especially because it's like right after Titanic came out. Yes. Like, I'm trapped alone on the Titanic. And also like, the Titanic has a scary computer trying to kill me. Yeah. You know, so could be fun. I don't know. Anyway, that's what I got. Spooky November. Complete. Complete. But you know what's not complete, at least what's, for today? What's that? The hot, the hot, the hot, the hot, the hottest take. Oh, yeah. Our fun contest with bad posts from online. Yeah. So, Joanna had not sent me her current hot take, which if you remember from last week was, which is better, Lord of the Rings or Star Wars? Star Wars because it's older. It's much older. It's a um, much older franchise. And mine was, which names are cool and a bunch of names that weren't cool. So... Um, from Star Wars. Yes. So, uh, what 
I will post that poll as soon as Joanna sends me the goodies. And what do you have this week for your hot take? So before I get to my actual hot take, I wanted to read you um, some more good answers to Star Wars or Lord of the Rings. Okay, yeah, let's hear them. All right. So here's one from DJ Charlie. Lord of the Rings or Star Wars? Neither. They're both geeky films for geeks and nerds. If you want to be one of those people, well, go ahead. Spend the rest of your life living in your parents' basement while playing World of Warcraft. Or be a badass like me and watch funny or action films. I recommend Pineapple Express, Superbad, <laughs> Horrible Bosses, Transformers 3, Bad Teacher, IDK, just nothing nerdy. Hope I helped. He didn't, he didn't mention Newsman. He didn't mention Newsman. That should have been on there. That was like around that same time. No, it's Pineapple really Express, cool. I feel like super I'm bad. Up. I feel like I'm trapped in a locker right now. Bad teacher. Like he just like virtually stuffed you in a I locker mean, we are over the in internet. Both of our parents' basements and we're playing World of Warcraft while we record this. So I, feel I like- don't watch any funny or action films because I'm not a badass. I don't like funny things. I like nerdy dorky things. I don't like Pineapple Express or Transformers 3. <laughs> Um, wow, that's a that's a hot take right there. That should be your hot take, man. That, that's hot. But this is my favorite answer to Star Wars or Lord of the Rings because it popped up on... A lot of people have asked Star Wars or Lord of the Rings on Yahoo Turns Answers. Turns out a common question. Yeah. And this popped up on several of them. Are you ready? This is a response from Anonymous. In the Lord of the Rings Online TM, Shadows of Angmar TM, players can customize certain elements of the game's user interface, UI, also known as skinning. While we don't allow you to do a full-scale UI replacement, we do give you the ability to replace selected visual elements of the UI. A full list of these elements and their sizes is provided at the end of this overview. <laughs> what? I don't know. Someone just copy and pasted that? Yeah, it was in, like, several, several of the questions some, had this response. Some weirdest bot or something. Like, the weirdest bot that had to, like, copy and paste the update text from Lord of the Rings Online. I think it was Sim. It was definitely Sam. This is absolutely It's a cry Sam. for help from Sam. Yeah. So those, so those are my favorite answers. But um, I decided to look up some hot takes on one of my favorite things, which is when people take um, fantasy franchises and they use them as, like, the entire lens through which they view politics. Like, for yeah. example, when people were always, like, comparing Bush to Sauron back in the day, that was extremely cool and useful. Um, when people always um, compare, like, House Republicans to, like, Lord Voldemort, that's, like, extremely useful to our national discourse. I really like it when people do that. So, um, I, I looked, I literally looked up, is Donald Trump Sauron? (laughs) To see if I I can find anything. I can't imagine the kind of spicy spice you got from that one. Yeah. So, so the first thing I found was a think piece. Think pieces are universally terrible. I hate them. You know what I think? Think piece of shit. Think piece of shit. Yeah. So um, uh, it's this, you know, some guy for, uh, I can't even remember what the mag, the Atlantic, I oh, think. That's a, just that's a, that's a garbage rag. Just yeah. waxing on and just, on about like, oh, House Republicans need to un- need to not be like, uh, like, like Saruman and they need to the understand. The Atlantic's all like, about civility. To, like, yeah, it about, was. There's like civil discourse is the most important thing. This was so yeah. civil that it made me want to kill myself. Okay. It, no, it's, it's really, really, really stupid. So there was that. Um, I found um, a Twitter account. Um, not highly recommended. Uh, he called it Is Trump Sauron that says uh, Donald Trump and the Dark Lord Sauron have never been seen in the same room together. Hashtag Donald Trump is the devil. Um, oh I also, fa- I, I, I guess like this guy probably, if anybody gets a pass on making such comparisons, it's probably him. Sean Astin okay, says yes. Donald Trump is not Sauron. He's a run of the mill orc. Well, he's fought them in real life. He would know. Yeah, he would know. He would know. All right, but here's my here's my favorite. Oh, the actual spiciest spice. This is this is this is my favorite this take. Is, this is your your so your the Vindaloo the question spice. was: yeah. Is Donald Trump more like Gandalf, Saruman, or Sauron? And Maylin Poe says, personally, I think Trump is like Dolores Umbridge from the Harry Potter series, only male and vulgar, than he is like any of the Lord of the Rings characters. So that's my hot take. Donald Trump is like Dolores Umbridge. 
Um, he has like kitten pictures. Um, he makes you write lines if you goof off and they get carved into your skin. He wears uh, like, he wears pink and he's sickly sweet but kind of scary underneath. He's like a Margaret Thatcher type. That's definitely Trump. Now, can I just. Listen, I like Harry Potter. I think it's a fun series. It's good for kids. It's got some cool characters, some good names. J.K. Rowling's kind of a weirdo nowadays, but to people who post stuff like that, read another book. Can you stop? Like, every single bad person in the world is not Voldemort or Dolores Umbridge. <laughs> You're no, so frustrated. Turns out there's actual bad people in real life they are based on that you don't have to refer to the fictional character. They're bad like lots of real people. Now, I understand, like, some people, politi- they don't know a lot about politics, and it's not particularly accessible to them, so comparing them to these characters is helpful. But the thing is, in the real world, bad people are, like, a lot more complicated than they are in Harry Potter, I hate to tell you. There's not going to be a one-for-one correlation between them and some Harry Potter character. Right. Yikes. That sucks. Yeah. So that's my hot take. All right. Mine's a hot take from Yahoo Answers. It's short and sweet. It was posted seven years ago in 2012. Asked by Blake. I don't think you really want an answer from this, but he can't answer his own question in the description. His question is, what would have happened had Anakin Skywalker used a condom? <laughs> well, Luke and Leia wouldn't have been born, well, I guess. Well, because he then would not have been motivated to cross over to the dark side. And even if he was, he would not have a son to last defeat the Emperor. That's a good point. What would happen? If he and Padme had used protection, she wouldn't have gotten pregnant. He wouldn't have been worried that she would die in childbirth. Although I argue that they probably could have made him worry she was going to die in some other way. Right. But he wouldn't have had Luke and Leia. That's true. No son to defeat the Emperor in the end. Well, yeah. It would change the entire mm. landscape of the Star Wars world. That's true. But would Emperor Palpatine have been able to rise to power on his own without Anakin? The question is, is this actually a good take? Did I read a good one on accident? This might be actually be a good, this might actually be the best take. I've read so far. That you should use birth control. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So you don't have a son that kills you down the line. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, well, shouldn't we all be doing that just in case? Any of us, anyone, well, I don't care who you are, you could have a son who would kill you. Well, actually, kill, kill your boss. Kill right? your boss. Yeah, and try to save you, but you end up yeah, dying don't, anyway. don't, don't have a, don't have, uh, wear a condom, because you might turn evil, and then your son will kill your boss someday. Yeah. So, It's um, a fear that all of us should come to terms with. I mean, but that's, with. the second one, maybe you don't like your boss. Maybe you want a son to kill your boss someday. Maybe that's important to you. So but maybe, maybe what if it leads to you accidentally like force choking out your wife? Ooh, yeah. See, yeah. nobody wants that. I think nobody we can wants all that. agree that abstinence is the answer. That the only way uh, to avoid the risk associated with sex is not to have any, and that's a very, very realistic goal for the human species. And what would have happened if 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 uh, Voldemort's mom didn't use a condom? Used a condom. Didn't use a condom. I was gonna say, I think she didn't. What happened? Yeah, just imagine. And what if, what if we went back in time and we got Hitler's uh, mom to put a condom on the guy? I don't know who that is, but I know who Voldemort is. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know who Hitler is. (laughs) I literally don't know anybody outside of the area. The only bad person I know is Voldemort, who's just like Trump, who's the other bad person I know. What if Trump's mom had worn a condom? I love how we keep saying mom, but we're like, dad. <laughs> I think that's enough. I think it runs into the ground. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we'll post those on our Facebook, the polls of which take is hotter, along with one from last week. You can vote on them, and we'll tell you the answers next time. Um, go on our Facebook, What's Lightsaber's Precious. Go on our website. What's Lightsaber's Precious.com. You updated it recently? Yep. Good. I lied. But I'm going to update it today. Do all those things we tell you to do every time. Uh, we'll talk to you next week when we get back to normal November. Normal November. Normal November. It's time to get normal. I'll talk about Mandalorians or whatever. Have a good one, Hobwalks. Talk to you later. See you, Ebed. Bye. Bye.